Hello and welcome to the Stress Sessions Mental Health Podcast with me, Luke. You're listening to Series 5, Episode 6. It's been a little while since the last episode in April and I want to take a moment to acknowledge that. We all need a break from time to time and for the sake of my own mental health, I took some time off. Unfortunately, I also haven't been physically well for the past couple of weeks either, but I'm grateful to be back here with you today. So, this week's episode, it's an exciting one because I'm speaking to someone pretty funny. In fact, he's hilarious. No, he really is, he's a comedian. He's also a television presenter and all-round fantastic human being. This week's guest is the one and only Stephen Bailey. We'll be diving deep into Stephen's own experiences with mental health, how it shaped his career and the role of humour in coping with challenging situations. We'll explore the ups and downs, the triumphs and the struggles, and uncover some valuable insights that can help us all on our own mental health journeys. So, sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired as we embark on this wonderful conversation with Stephen. But before we begin, I want to remind you that we're not mental health professionals. We're here to share experiences, insights, and create a safe space for open dialogue about mental health. If you're struggling with your mental well-being, please reach out to a qualified therapist or counsellor who can provide you with the support you need. Further details can be found in this podcast episode's notes. So without further ado, here's the Stress Sessions with Stephen Bailey. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen Bailey. Hi, Luke. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Really good. Really well met on speaking to you. I finished work and it's just nice to see a happy face at the end of the day. I never get called happy. I th- I'm very pessimistic, but people always think I'm happy. I think because of my, um, I want to be happy and I'm camp, but I'm definitely always worried about something it doesn't come across like that when so I mean I've watched you on TV quite a lot and you always come across as like quite a happy and upbeat sort of guy so I mean you you portray yourself very well thank you I think because do you know what this is a I think this is a very bad trait though but I'm happy when I'm working because then I know I'm like earning and so I think that's why I come across happy on TV is like because I'm thrilled to be working especially in this business. I mean, you're doing it right. So, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) What is the one song that puts you in a really happy, positive mood? Well, the one song is difficult, but at the minute, it's the Saturdays higher. I don't know why. That's so random. Yeah, there's just certain songs where it's like, do you know when you've got your headphones in and it's like you're just walking down the street, you feel like, mm-hmm, I'm ready for the day. There's just a few of the like, and then there's other songs like, you know, The Greatest Showman, This Is Me, and like there's songs, I think there's songs for different occasions. At the minute, the one that I'm strutting down the street to is The Saturdays Higher. Um, but yeah, I like, 
I do believe music is a good mood lifter. Like, I'm trying to get better in the mornings now. I'm I'm trying to do too much actually, so it's not always possible. So what I'm trying to do is what I was trying to do last year was every morning before I pick up my phone is pick up a book. Before I go to bed, pick up a book rather than watch something on TV. So I did that last year and it really proved that it worked for my head. What I've been trying to do at the minute is pick up the phone but put music on Okay. in the morning and then still do the book at bed. Every now and again, it does slip into Netflix. But um, I just think by starting the morning with a few good tracks really puts you in a good mood. Like, I, re I really, I, I think it's probably in my head, but I think there is something about like how you wake up sets the tone for your day. My, my guilty pleasure is the the celebs on the farm program that you present. Uh, I it's I love it. Like my wife started watching it a couple of years ago, and she got me onto it. And I was like, this program is amazing. It's just so like different, and it's just nice to watch celebrities suffer a little bit. I think. I know. Do you know what I think with that show is people that found it because it was only on MTV and like Channel Five. People that found it really, really loved it. Um, we loved making it because we were just in this little bubble for two weeks. And I think we were one of the few shows where it was like just joyful. Do you know, we're not trying to set anyone up. If they do fall in pig poo, it's amusing. Like we don't really want them to fall in pig poo. Um and I think that's why it really worked. And I also just think because we had people like Farmer Chris and we had like the locals every now and again get involved. And I think seeing celebrities interact with like proper salt of the earth people where it's like, you know, these people work really hard. They're in the middle of nowhere. Farming is all day, every day. It's tough during the winter. And I think people seeing the two cross and show respect for each other is what, what set it apart. The thing that kind of was quite, I don't know what the right word is, but it's just nice to watch. Was that when when each celebrity got voted out, they were actually genuinely sad to go. So it's like they they were thrown into this complete world of farming that they'd never done before. They didn't know what they were doing, and some of them hated it. But when they got voted out, they they were sad about it, and it was just quite sort of like heartwarming to watch. I think. I think it's because you know, as the host, I've always I've watched shows. I don't like aggressive shows. Like I don't like. I loved Big Brother when it was funny and you saw like different cultures, different classes, different backgrounds, different sexes all come together. But when they started trying to like, you know, starve them to cause an argument and stuff like that, I find it really uncomfortable to watch. And I always wanted with Celebs on the Farm, I wanted the celebs to go away and tell other celebrities to do it. I want people to be like, this is a great show. It's fun. Like the, the crew's nice. The crew's happy. The production's happy. So I think we always came from that. And then as well, because there's no, I always joke with them because they really are competitive and they all want to stay in. And I used to joke being like, you guys know there's no cash prize, right? Even the trophies probably like a tenner. We do not, if, there's not a big budget on that show. Otherwise Ryland would have hosted it instead of me. And so 
my thing with it was going they i think there is some every time i did slabs on the farm there's so many things i learned from it from a mental health perspective which is why i think people wanted to stay in which is one it's fun two there's a lot of time you're sat on a farm there's not a lot else to do in the evenings during lunch so you just talk to each other which means you get to know each other really well there's no bloody signal out there which was a bane of contention and then it's like you know we have to film when farmers work so you're up at like 6am and you're finished by like four five and so you go to bed early you go to bed at proper time you're up with the sun like you're meant to be you're getting lots of fresh air and exercise because you're outside you're walking around the whole time and you're with animals and nature like i think it was so good for our mental health and i used to have such a crash when i'd get back from it because i was like you fall into that habit of i mean in my case i was a comedian again so it was like okay now i'm out late gigging which means i'm not getting home till late which means i'm not eating till late and i was like you can really see it like so for me it's proof in the fact of going you know listen to nature a little bit and i'm not really that hippy dippy it did come come across as kind of a bit like a sort of th therapeutic sort of state not obviously the the work that the the farmers and the celebrities were doing was was difficult at times but obviously like like you said you the celebrity was sort of in sort of camping vehicles weren't they and not not in like luxury hotels or anything like no. that behind the scenes they might have been i don't know but no they actually they weren't. weren't people always think that they actually weren't they like when i tell you we had no budget on this show like people think i'm joking <laughs> if there was a budget rylan tom allen would have been hosting this show over me i'm telling you now but they had no budget which was great for me so they really were in the camper vans and don't get me wrong like you know we got to pop off to the village pub for a a dinner in the evening but then they'd go back to a camper van and some nights we didn't you know that wasn't like we did that every night because we were so tired and um you know it is still a tv show so it's like they have the easier of the farming jobs you know they're not i think farmer chris would argue his life is still harder and they're obviously getting probably paid better than a farmer gets paid to be there but um yeah there was just I don't know. I think there's just something about being out in nature and it's really made me change like, you know, we always try and do a weekend away now where it's like in the UK, in like somewhere naturey, Lake District, Cotswolds, like even, you know, we've headed towards Scarborough. I think there is something about nature. That's amazing that it's kind of changed your, like your work, something that you did for work has changed what you would choose to do in your everyday life that's that's amazing is there anything that you kind of took away from that experience in terms of stuff that you did whilst you were there that you then did in your normal life so just i don't i don't know i don't know what you'd have done kind of like off, off camera but is there any kind of like routine that you put in place or anything like that, that you kind of think oh I've, i do that now that i didn't do before um i definitely try well there's two things really which is one um the sleep element like on that show because let i have to be very clear so farmer chris does not kill me it's not as hard as a proper farmer does but we are outside all day we are running around we are doing i mean i wasn't even doing the activities like jesus but because of that 
the net the air knocks you out so we really was like i think every day i was asleep by 10 11 if like every now and again you might have had that odd i'll have one more at the pub but it was like really i was down for 10 and up for six and so trying to have that eight hours is something i try and do now and not like i think we can feel guilty of going oh i, I slept in till 10 but it's like but i also got in at two from my because i was gigging in newcastle or whatever so trying not to feel guilty about that and trying to get eight hours i found sleeping is the most important thing for my head and then the other thing it really taught me is um you know, I was always worried about being like a proper presenter. I use air quotes because I feel like, you know, you see like Holly Willoughby or, you know, whoever. And I just, on that show, I didn't use auto cued. I just wanted to be real and in the moment and almost say what you see a bit, almost narrate it rather than present it, even though I was on camera, not a voiceover, because I wanted to make sure it was fun and so the the one thing i do try and bring into everything is be like getting to know people and i think you have to do that by i think it's an effort nowadays because of social media you have to make an effort to get to know people i think we're so used to being asked about ourselves because of social media that you just answer about yourself and you forget to ask the other person the other side um so i think engagement like I'm, I remember on series three, there was a conversation between Kerry Katona and Farmer Chris about suicide. And I just thought this is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Cause it's two completely different worlds talking about something in a, in a way where it was like, you wouldn't think they were from different worlds essentially, because you know, that's how, that conversation spoken about and that's what I always thought was great about the show was being like you know people could look at it as trashy and just like break down the title what's the show well it's celebs on the fat like it's the clues in the title but what I always think if you know little guardian readers or guardian journalists what they should look at is actually be like watch the show watch the content because I think you'll get more from it than you think the thing is as well is that when you strip back the, the celebrity titles from the people that are on the show and the, and and take the, the phone signal away you have to speak to one another don't you so i guess that putting people in those sort of situations is is great because they have to speak they can speak about anything they want it's 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 a tight-knit community for the for the for the weeks that you're there and it it's a safe space essentially isn't it because you're all you're all kind of in that situation together and you're, you're working together so it's it like i said it must be quite therapeutic in a way yeah really therapeutic and as well like you know i think there's a testament to the show or just to i think his thing every time i got the list of who the club's going to be for the show you read through it and you go oh god oh no because just because of what you see on like magazines or whatever and i don't think we've had a bad person on slubs on the farm like they're most of those cast actually are people i keep in touch with most more than any other show i've done like there are comedians that i've worked with loads over the years that i don't hear from as much as those clubs it's not everyone but there's a lot of them one thing that i was i've not written this down but it's just coming to my head but 
you mentioned lockdown and yes. obviously in in your line of work it's everything stopped didn't it, it you, you can gig you can put on any shows or anything like that i mean you you have tv work that that probably kept going and kept being filmed during during lockdown but is there anything that did you struggle at all during lockdown with with that and not being able to essentially do your job yeah i mean i like you have had anxiety and depression have it i think i don't know if it ever goes away i think you have denise welch always talks brilliantly about it but i think you have moments or episodes um and yeah for me it was interesting the pandemic because to be honest the start of it was it it was tough in the sense of going i'm a workhorse and it was it was a real eye-opener about going how much i put work before everything else because then when it came to complete stop i was like what do you what do we do you know like and i'm from a very working class background so i obviously had money worries and they didn't come out and offer any help straight away luckily i'm good with money because of my background and i've had some good successes so i'm good at had savings it was fine in that way i was very lucky but i wasn't lucky i was smart i'd been smart and i'd you know so i found it in the beginning good actually obviously not the fact that we're going through a global crisis but to have some rest and be my boyfriend i didn't like not seeing my family because i see them all the time but to actually just stop and actually watch tv and cook three meals a day that first say six weeks i was like this is great like i felt like i'd not had a summer holiday since school and obviously i couldn't leave the house but but then as it went on that's when i started to struggle because it felt like people were going back to work but i wasn't one of them and my jobs wasn't one of them it was you know theaters were closing down forever left right and center so you're going well there's less work when i get back um tv's tough anyway you know it was like they had the pick of anyone they wanted and i am the bottom of that rung so it was just scary and i just fell like there was no purpose like i would i would find it very difficult to go to bed because i was like well there's no reason to wake up like why so then i found that tricky um you know i got really out of shape like lots of people did because i was like well what do you do and like joe wicks is not for me i find him you know and then um so it was tricky and i went through phases where i was like right today's the day i'm gonna write and submit a script and that's how i ended up actually getting my radio 4 comedy special radio 4 never booked me ever and i just worked really hard on this idea but even that it only takes about three weeks it only wasted like three weeks of the year um and but yeah it was just horrible and then you started i just i felt like we were bombarded with news like way too much and it was everything and also i felt them really hard about being like why are celebrities telling us how easy this is when they're back at their high paid daily tv shows and da, da, da. and um i thought something's going on here and they're not people that 
you know you couldn't see friends and family when you were sick and I didn't like I, I really saw the world and I was like we all need to um have a little word of ourselves actually because and I don't think we've changed since coming out the other side but I just thought yeah we're banging a pan at seven o'clock for 10 minutes but that quickly stopped when the soaps came back on and you know when people like it very quickly and also doctors and nurses didn't want a pan being banged for them um but I just thought I don't know it just got to a point where I was like mm, I don't want to be at home this much because i can you're just seeing too much like um arguing about the rules what rules should follow what rules shouldn't follow should you get fined should you not get fined? i was like well it's really i didn't like it and then that was dragging me down and then i was like oh my god will i ever be funny or have joy or a tv job or anything again i just really felt like what's the point i just and i thought you know some people are really loving lockdown some people are really loathing it i just was like this isn't there was a grayness and what was the point when when you stopped feeling like that did was there like, like a point where you where, where something happened or you, you you sort of like changed changed your outlook did something happen not really it was just when we could all get back to live in a world and, and and even that took a while because i was really like you know like even going you know there'd been there was jobs that for example that i'd been told i was going to have going into the pandemic then all of a sudden the act of god wiped the job out and then you come out the other side and it was like you know people weren't supporting each other or you know honoring what they'd done or you know all this like hashtag be kind or let's look out for each other that sense of community that people were verbalizing was not being actioned and it took me a while to get back into it and go like okay well you're back at work you're back at doing this you're back seeing your family and friends and all you can control is yourself you can't control how other people behave so all i could control was how i behave so if people would you know breaking promises or like that like I felt I thought even after the pandemic or after the restrictions were lifted there was still like this lethargic attitude like people would cancel on you last minute and like have no respect for time and I was like it would piss me off because I go we've just been locked down for two years and now I'm looking forward to going out a lot and you're cancelling on me like but it, it just got to a point where I just had to I had to do a good year's therapy like last 2022 I was in therapy all year because I was like the I was talking to my therapist about it and I was like I don't understand you know why everyone's being so selfish why everyone's being not honest like you know or not looking out for each but I just I don't know there was just an ickiness for ages um and then also the industry that i'm in which isn't always the nicest and you get a lot more no's than you get yeses where i was really like what is going on and i don't even know what the clicking point was just one day i just felt fine again and that can just happen can't it but i i do think that 
it, it's funny that you say that oh that people are, you want you want to see people after all of this bad shit's happened and go meet up with your friends and family and go out and do stuff i feel like people still act like I, I don't know. I, I feel like people cancel a lot still. There's there's no kind of, I don't know, nobody's as nice as what they were du during lockdown or even before. It's really strange. I definitely think there's a change since before. I don't think people were that nice during lockdown, actually. I think, you know, there was a lot of, like, people grassing up their neighbours and <laughs> doing stuff like that. And I just think... I don't know if we have rose-tinted glasses about the past or I don't know what it is, but I've, I've just came to some conclusion where I was like, do you know what? I think there was a time maybe like, maybe before social media, never mind pandemic. Like I always say like the 90s when everyone went outside more because people got bikes for Christmas and scooters and things like that. Or um, the early noughties when you'd go out. I don't know, maybe it's just because we were kids then, so we didn't feel the pressures like an adult does but I've just decided now to like make decisions that are best for me so it's like you know you if you have I don't know a PR person that's not doing their job well then I'm not going to work with that PR person anymore if you're a PR person that's not getting me PR I'm not spending money on it whereas it used to be as like I didn't want to piss anyone off let's see how they get on um if you're an accountant and you're not doing my accounts or this, like, like I'm just not afraid to politely say what I think anymore, which I used to be able to. I would, I used to have a bad habit of swallowing everything because I never want to upset anyone. I would never want to put anyone out, you know, but to a point where it puts yourself out and you get drained and you get tired. And what would happen was I'd get to that point where you're gray, your skin's gray, you're feeling down, you're worn out. And that's when I would let it out. And it I don't think that was the right thing. You know, I think there's like all my best friends are friends I've had since school. And I think because you can be honest with family, that's what they are when they've been your friends for that long. But then there's definitely friends that say when I moved to London in my twenties, I'm not friends with anymore because it was like, Do you wanna do you wanna come to me? Oh, I can't be bothered coming into town. Do you wanna come to me? Da, da, da. And I was like, Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Do you want to meet me at the train station? Yep. Do you want to meet here? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you're going, you're so tired. And then it got to a point where it's like, okay, well, like then I'd just almost like disappear out of their lives because one, I didn't have the conversations, but two, I was scared of having the conversation because I didn't want to upset anyone. So you just disappear and not respond to one text. And that is the wrong way of handling things. Don't get me wrong. But I think I'd always met people more than halfway, whereas now I'm very much like, you know, I check in on my friends, all of them. Like, even if it's like friends that we're not necessarily, maybe we're more colleagues than we are friends, I check in on everyone. But if you don't text me back, I'm not following up. So if you don't text me back or we don't speak for two years, that's because you never sent that text back. That's the best way to be, I think. Yeah. And I found it really, I'm definitely a lot happier living life that way of being like and also saying no to things you know being as in 
like I'd always try and see everyone because it's like you don't want to go a year without seeing any of your friends but sometimes you have those friends that you only see once or twice a year but that's just life and you know I maintain ones but the ones where you go do you know what they never come to Manchester like and they always want to see you in, in London well actually I've only got two days in London and I can't squeeze one more thing in I'd always try and squeeze it in to and then it'd have a bad effect on me whereas now I go do you know what I can't make it this time don't have an, enough time at all if you're in Manchester let me know or we'll have to try and see what my diary is like next time in London like I don't think people can argue with that the thing is you've got to put yourself first and I think that it, especially and again, everyone I, else does exactly yeah and this is the thing I I I had this similar a very similar conversation with with my counselor on it was yesterday I, my, my counseling yesterday because I have it weekly yeah every every Tuesday evening and I was saying that you you kind of just have to put yourself first sometimes and like you said to say no but I've I've come to I, I've got to that stage and I got to it when I started doing this podcast that you just not got to care you, you've, you've kind of just got to be like this this is about me I'm going to put myself first and not really care about it sounds horrible but not care about what other people think or do and it's kind of the way that I started this so I was a bit like I'll start this podcast I'm going to email a few people and see if I can get them on the podcast if they say no that's the worst that can happen and that's kind yeah. of that's that's the premises that I started it on but you were saying about rejection earlier I hated being rejected before and something just changed inside of me and I was like do you know what I'm going to do this because I I want I really want to do it um and I know that it'll be a, a good thing for a lot of people and and that's kind of how I've been since and it, it's it's changed it's changed my whole life kind of living like that yeah I agree I mean I remember when I was at um when I was at uni I was a bit of a dreamer so like and actually not just at uni all my life and I would say about 23 24 when I moved to London it kind of got knocked out of me right which I think is not just I'm not blaming London before everyone starts <laughs> I am blaming London a bit it is soulless but also I think that was part of being an adult maybe but I just used to you know I remember um I was at uni I, I did uh, French and Spanish at uni I did languages and the only thing I knew was going I enjoy it I love it I got a good grade in it but I'm not I'm not getting to that level of proficiency whereas I, I don't think I could be a translator I don't think I'm that fluent enough in either um and personally no offense to anyone I don't want to be a teacher that's all I knew and I didn't know what else to do so I was like okay I need to get some experience and I was always fascinated by like journalism and magazines so I remember writing to a load of magazines asking for a summer internship and I must have sent out so many emails like but all I needed was one yes and I got that and then it was same after that I was like you know maybe working in tv had thought before like I could say and I'd, I'd seen people like Lucy Cave who was like a journalist and a presenter and I was like oh maybe that would work for me like did it um and so then I was like, oh, I should probably get a degree, uh, a master's in this. So I wrote, uh, I applied for a master's in journalism. Every interview was about politics. And I was like, oh, you're missing the kind of journalism I want to do. This is 
no, I have no interest. So then I started writing to the head of every TV channel at the time. One person wrote back, the head of Channel 5 at the time. And it was those months, but just being bold. And I didn't know until I got a job in TV, you don't just write to the head of Channel 5 and Channel 4. and You don't just do that. And I thought, well, why don't you? Who the fuck are they? Like, if I'm no one, they're no one. If I'm someone, they're someone. Like, but we all end up in, we all, we're all dust at the end of it. Do you know what I mean? So I just thought, hmm. and then over the years, I feel like I lost that as more people are like, you don't do it that way. You don't do it this way. Da, da, da. And recently I've got to the point of being like, hmm, I miss that old old part of me, like where it's like gone. And so I've, I've really started to bring that out of being like, like you say, the worst that can happen is no. And do you know what? Like I've worked with people, I've had great jobs because I was bold enough to reach out. And do you know what? The people that judge you for reaching out, like, you know, I've had people that are like, it looks desperate that you've emailed me directly. And it's like, mm, well, then you need to reevaluate what the word desperate means. Because I would use the word tenacious, ambitious, driven, um, you know, has bills to pay. Like, and and I just, I, I got to a point recently as well where you, I think you go through several st stages. So I brought back the bit where I was like, I'm just going to email people. If it's, if you think it looks desperate, you are not for me. It's So it's like, it's still not my rejection. It's like, I don't want to work with you if that's how you behave. Like, if that's your attitude, because what's your attitude going to be about other things? Do you know, like, if someone emailed me and I didn't want to do something, I'd just be like, oh, hey, does it, this isn't for me or I'm not free. But I wouldn't be like judging anyone that just reached out and asked for help because that's what also annoys me. Half these people that are judgmental are the ones that are on Facebook are being like, don't be alone, don't be silent, speak up if you need help. I mean, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. It's like when you ask for help when when you're struggling with with your mental health, isn't it? It's kind of a bit yeah. like you have to you have to take that chance because it is a bit like looking for a new job or, or applying for a new job because you you're essentially asking for help from that person. You're taking a shot in the dark because you're a bit like, I need help with this particular thing. But it's kind of like going back to you saying that you got you got therapy during. I think you said twenty twenty or twenty twenty no twenty twenty two. You said didn't you last year? Yeah, it's like that. Going to see a counsellor is a complete shot in the dark, I think, because you don't know what sort of therapy that you want to go and do. You don't know who you're going to get. You don't know what the setting's going to be like. You don't know if you're going to like that person. It's it's a complete sort of like potluck, isn't it, when we do something like that? Yeah, and I had no idea really what I wanted. But all I knew was going, you know, it wasn't my th first time in therapy. I'd done it a few years ago. But what I was like was going, and I said to him straight away, I was like, I don't want to be sat here, me just keep waffling and you going, mm, mm. I want some engagement. I want you to offer me other ways of looking at things. I want you to tell me if you think I'm wrong or a thought process is ridiculous. Like you need to speak as much as I speak, otherwise I'm not coming. <laughs> I just, cause I could just sit and talk at a wall otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've, I've done that before and so, I 
I've I've started have, having an, I've started seeing, started seeing a new counselor, and mm. um, he's very good because he he listens, but he gives you constructive feedback as well. And it's the first yeah. he's he's the fifth counselor that I've had in, since I started having counselling. And I feel like like I said, it's it's pot luck with stuff like that because you you need to keep. For, for me, I, I I persevered with the same one for a long time, probably for about a year, and he was he was good, but a bit formal for me, and did over analysing things like saying you're sitting on the front of your chair, so you're obviously anxious. And I'm like, I just sit on the front of the chair all the time. <laughs> What's that mean? But it's like yeah. it's it's finding the right person for that sort of thing. I think did did you find that with with counselling or yeah. Um... I mean, I don't think I've ever had a therapist where I'm like, you're amazing. Like, I've heard people where they're like, they found ones where they're like, you're amazing. I, You know, but I've always also been and been like, what am I getting out of this? I don't understand the ones. I mean, it's different for everyone, obviously. I personally don't understand why we would go anywhere, sit in a room, and you tell me, well, you seem a bit depressed. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Like, um, but you know, having said that, I think there's also when it comes to therapy, because obviously it costs money and not everyone has it, and the NHS waiting list isn't ideal. But speaking to friends, and I would say this advice for friends from the point of view of someone that's depressed and anxious and also from the point of view of being that friend is I think what we do as well as a world is we go do you know you go oh my god I've lost all my work I'm really scared da, 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 da. and then people go well it's not like you've died or it's not like you live in here or not like you know da, da, da. and it's like that's wrong that is not helpful you are trying to so you're you're someone that is telling people to speak up you know, don't be alone. You're not alone. If you need me, come to me. And then you're trying to silence someone the minute you say that. And I did um, a TV show last year with Simon Weston, who's obviously this amazing war hero from the Falklands. And I was moaning about not getting a job. And then I, th I thought to myself, I went, oh, my God, he's been through so much worse than I've been through. And I said that to him. I went, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. And he went, no, no. He went, just because what I've been through doesn't negate what you're going through. Everyone's problems are all different and it affects people in different ways. Um, and, it, you know, I had lots of conversations with different people about this being like, you know, I could be a hundred pound in debt and you could be a hundred pound in debt, Luke, but it could affect you way worse than it could affect me. Like I might be like, Oh, it's only under a quid. And you could be like, Oh my God, how am I going to, get out of this like 100 pounds i don't know where i'm going to do it and i keep spending money i can never make this 100 back up da, 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 da. like because we're we're all wired differently and we all say that we all go we're all wired differently we're all different we're all individuals that's what's great but we don't treat people as such and i think that's a big thing you hit me on the head with we meet we need more sun westerns because this is the thing is that there's not enough people there that there's a lot of people there that are kind of like quite happy to talk about their problems but there's not enough people there to listen yeah and i think listening listening is half of, 
being able to listen is a massive skill, I think. And as well, I think when people really listen, the person on the other end feels that level of support. Like, like what you said earlier about when you were emailing people about doing this podcast, the worst that could happen is they say no. That's true for a lot of life. Um, obviously, there's things that that doesn't go to. You know, if you've got a financial worry, you're going to need some financial support. But I think the worst that anyone can ever do if you ask for help is say no. And I really, really believe that for example, just reducing it to a really simple thing. I was talking to my friend the other day because there is a comedy club that we all perform at and it's a bit rowdy and it's a bit rambunctious and it's really hard to actually just stand and perform comedy there because you're competing with everything else going on and it feels like it's going to kick off any minute, right? And I said to my friend, I was like, oh my God, it really stressed me out. Like, da, da, da. like I've just, I've started the new year. I'm in a good space. I'm putting my plans into action. Da, da. And I was like, nothing's particularly happening that makes me feel good or excited. But I just feel fine. And then I said, and then I did this gig and it ramped up my anxiety because of how shit-faced everyone was, how loud it was, the fact that I feel like I have to do a good job, the fact that no one there is there to support you in that situation you know and my friend said to me she went don't do it anymore there's plenty of work do the other gigs because why on earth are you putting yourself in a position to where they're making you feel anxious and ruining the mood you're in and it's like all you're trying to do is make people laugh and I was like, that's such a good point. And I feel like that about support is going, you know, like I say, all my friends, I've had the same friends since I was like 14. And then you pick up others along the way. And my friends that I've had forever, along my family, along my boyfriend, you can say to them, this is making me feel a bit down about the world. And it might just be something so daft that you didn't get booked for a show that's you'll be over in a couple of days but in that moment you're going it's not my confidence a bit i'm just a bit it's, it's made me worry that you know i'm never going to get any work da, 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 da. and they will listen they'll talk well you know you felt like this before and you've got work or da, 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 da. and then like i say there are people that are like for example i put on facebook uh, on instagram Two years ago, me and my partner had experienced some homophobia in the street, and it really knocked our confidence. You go, right? Well, we don't want to like hold hands in the streets or do anything like that. And so I put a post on Instagram, and someone got in, a producer got in touch with my agent and was like, mm, "I don't know why Stevens posted this publicly. It looks like he's whinging." We'd been confronted in the street, and a verbally abused even if I am whinging I have every right to mm. and I always think would you like that to happen to your child or your gay best friend or did it and I just thought in that moment 
when I got the call about that, I just thought, well, then I don't want to ever work with that person. So I'm not bothered and I'm not going to waste energy on it. I'm not going to waste energy to be nice to them. If I see them at an event or I see them at a summit that we're at, I'm going to have nothing to do with them because I want to put my energy over here. And I think it's that thing of being like, like I said earlier, is going, you know, you could get a thousand no's. You only need one yes. And that's, I think that's true for everything is going, you could have a hundred friends, but you only need one good one. What is your happiest place in the world? Um... I bet everyone says this, but home. But when I say home, I'm I don't mean like the building that I live in. I mean like my mum and dad's house, my mum and dad, my sister, my nephews. It's wherever my boyfriend is. It's you know the local pub where me and my all my girls go for a carvery. Like those places that feel like home. I like that. I don't think nobody's. Lots of people have said home, but they've never described it in that way before. They've always been like, "Oh yeah, home," because that's where I feel like comfortable and stuff like that. Nobody's really described it as like it's where these specific people are, and we do these things. I like that. Yeah, like there's um when I'm in Manchester, there's a gay bar I always go to called new york new york and i always go there because that feels like home because we've been going since we were legally allowed to go and i always go my best friend and you know we're friends with the bouncers we're friends with the owner we're you know we know a lot of people that go there now um who i would consider friends even though we only ever see them when we're there um and so it feels like home and i think home is anywhere you feel safe I, mine's the same because it is literally here like it's <laughs> in my home um but it's it's with whenever wherever i'm with with my wife is is the place i feel my safest and you and you feel loved and you don't yeah. get that really in, in many other places do you yeah and i think it is you know you're not judged you're not like you can go like i i always i think it's those places as well where they go are you okay you go, yeah, fine. No, but are you okay? Okay. Do you know, like, um, it's it's that kind of thing. And also, I think the flip side of that is going, um, sometimes, do you know, like, if you've not got a job or whatever it is, like, just whatever basic thing it is, they didn't, you know, someone was a dickhead on the roads or whatever. And it's just that thing where it's like, I don't need to talk about it but I've not quite swallowed it yet. They also know to pick up those things about, like, just being, like, not forcing you to talk as well, because I think sometimes that can make you feel, as much as we're saying talking's good for you, sometimes I think some of the things that piss us off, you just need you just need 10 minutes. And you also need people, you also need people around you that know, just need 10 minutes and it'll be all right. Yeah, you can sort of, I mean, with my wife, I can tell by her facial expression, body language, that it's like, leave me alone. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes it takes some learning i think this yeah i've i've i sort of know that now <laughs> time and history though isn't it it's yeah you know, this is it yeah live. plan ahead or take each day as it comes plan ahead for me a phone call or a message phone call walk on the beach or climb a mountain walk on the beach i, I don't know what you can answer this one a good book or a good film oh it really did well this isn't quick fire but it depends on the mood a thoughtful message or a nice unexpected gift thoughtful message and money or happiness oh god i want both <laughs> happiness and a stable bit of money good answer <laughs> i like it what I, I i wasn't gonna ask this but what so you said you read you've read quite a lot over the like last year what sort of books put you in a good mood like what would you recommend because I, I i like reading but i can never find the right book to put me in a good mood or well i think this is the problem i think it is an unanswerable question because like so i read danny minogue's autobiography and i thought it was one of the most riveting how it has not been turned into tv show i thought it was riveting I thought, like, because, like, normally these celeb autobiographies where it's called, like, My Story or whatever, you're like, they never want to show themselves in a bad light. So mm. I just feel like you get nothing interesting out of it. Whereas with Danny Minogue, Jesus Christ, she's lived a life, that one. And I was really engaged with it. But then on the other hand, last year, I read this book called Where the Crawdads Sing. And it is not a book I would naturally go to pick up. But a friend of mine um is a school teacher and she recommended it i read it in like two days and i was wow. sad i was sad when it was over and th that's like um i guess it's like a drama book um so again i don't know i think it is unfortunately some you pick up and you're like this is great and some you suffer through and i think it's um you know, this there's um a TV show called The Hills, and the main girl from The Hills, Lauren Conrad, went on to write some teen books, and I thought I'm gonna give them a read, and I found them a way more interesting than some proper adult books I've mm. read. But then at the same time, I don't know if it's because, you know, her teen books were about reality TV, um. So you go, oh, well, I wonder if it's just because I'm into that and could picture these characters where I'm maybe not into, like, you know, the weird man in the loft. Thank you so much for coming on. And, um, My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I will. And have a lovely walk. Thank you, Luke. I will. I'm going to enjoy that walk, get the steps in. That's also good for your health. Yes, I'm going to go to the gym. Enjoy. All right, have a lovely evening. You too. Bye, Luke. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
and that wraps up today's episode of the Stress Sessions. I want to thank Stephen for coming on and being so open and honest. And to everyone listening, remember that your mental well-being matters. If you're going through a tough period, don't hesitate to reach out for support. Whether it's confiding in a friend, seeking professional help or engaging in self-care practices, there's always someone to help or someone to listen. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share this episode with others who might find it valuable. And don't forget to rate, leave a review on your podcasting platform and subscribe to the Stress Sessions for future episodes that delve deeper into mental health topics. As we bring this episode to a close, always remember to prioritise your self-care. Show kindness to yourself and others and know that you are never alone in your struggles. Thank you for tuning in and until next time, this is Luke signing off from the Stress Sessions. Take care. If you're still listening at this point, congratulations. I just wanted to come back on here and say that if you heard any um, screaming in the outro just then, nobody's being murdered. There was no murder taking place. It was um, the kids next door playing in the garden. Just wanted to clear um, that one up. So, um, yeah, thank you. Bye.